Well, well, well. Welcome, everybody, to our weekly podcast. Today is our 40th podcast, which is sort of insane to think about that we've actually had 40 guests come on here, discuss various ideas, explain to us and teach us various things that go from really solid kind of theological, philosophical stuff to cultural issues and everything in between. Now, because of the thumbnail and the title, you know that I have with me an expert in one of these areas who's, it's not his first time on here, but I've realized that because of the way the channel has grown, a lot of people haven't paid attention to the earlier podcasts we've done. And we've had really solid people. So I'm going to introduce him, bring him in. None other than Vocab Malone. Vocab, you were, all, you were our seventh podcast guest. I just looked that up. That means I was down with you when nobody cared about you. That's right. When we had like 50 subscribers, <laughs> you came on. And we had like two folks watching uh, and, and, and we'd get up to like 50 and we're like, yeah. Um, last time I saw you was a couple of years ago. In person, I saw you. It was a couple of years ago when we... We hit up some um, some Hebrew Israelites and some Sakari, oh. a good group of us. And I got called uh, an an Arab by by some of those guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and was yeah. told to crawl back to the cave where I came out from. In Armenia. <laughs> well, they didn't know what Armenia was, if you remember. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> they had no idea what it was. They, it didn't fit in their uh, neatly. Uh, divided, well, not so neatly divided charts. Mm -hmm. So um, we're not, folks know you, Vocab, uh, you know, and again, uh, everything's linked. Y'all can go check out, you should go check out the work that Vocab does, all social media platforms, YouTube, Instagram, all that. Because look, when it comes to this issue, I'll tell you this, there's nobody else I look for, okay, in regards to Christians responding to these things. Um, and it's not necessarily just Hebrew Israelites, but I also put in there like uh, comedic kind of religions or worldviews, this kind of idea of going back to the religions of the ancestors and stuff, which I think exists in a lot of cultures. Um, but you're, you're the guy who does this, man. And yeah. Well, a little bit, you know, I mean, uh, fortunately, you know, since you mentioned last time we talked, since we've talked, there's so many people who actually have, uh, you know, taken up the challenge and gotten into this. And there's a lot more people now that cover it, fortunately. And it's beautiful to see. And there's now people, you know, on all kinds of different social media platforms from, um, you know, they're obviously YouTube, but you see more and more people on all the other ones, including things like Clubhouse, for example, mm -hmm. and TikTok, you know. And a lot of times it's different people in those different places. So um, there's definitely a lot more of us dealing with this issue than last time we talked, which is an awesome thing that's very yeah. encouraging, you know. So I'm glad to glad to just be part of it, really. Yeah, so I've, I've been on Clubhouse and I've gotten into some conversations with the Hebrew Israelites. Um, look, before we get into the subject, we got some videos we want to show and you're going to give us an update in regards to what's going on, how things are developing uh, you got to always keep your 
ear to the ground, I suppose, when it comes to things like this, because some of them are like very fast moving. And then considering mm-hmm. the large kind of uh, differences there are, the, like different camps, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have, um, you've written two books, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's pull those out. Let's let's introduce, if you have them near you, you right. might not, but... Um, yeah, no, I do somewhere. Where, oh, there they are. Just a second. Yeah, they're right behind me. There okay. we go. So Barack Obama versus the Hebrew, the black Hebrew Israelites is... Yeah, it's like a, a primer, just a primer on Hebrew Israelism stuff. And then this book, Street Level Apologetics, it's... Mm-hmm. Um, evangelism apologetics you know how to do it in a practical way um especially in the street and urban context and all that kind of stuff so that one is barely over a year old yeah so make sure you get that they 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 can get that at amazon Mm -hmm. yeah they're on amazon bookpatch.com and lot of digital stores as well especially the second one the second one's available in even more places especially digitally we increased our digital distribution with that one a lot working on a third one as of now titling off the chart and going to talk about the the uh, hebrews like 12 tribes chart that the one west type guys use called off the chart okay which uh they told you i think that you didn't fit on the chart if i'm not mistaken <laughs> but, oh man um <clears throat> well i guess look I, i'll jump in here with a question because it's interesting to me before we get into that good fight ministries says um Hey, Vocabulary Arthur, have you guys come across the Moorish Science Temple of America? So um, I've done a few videos on them. Um, there's people who know more about them than I do. So like my man, Adam Coleman, uh, D.A. Newman, for example, they, they know more. But I've done some stuff. I usually end up doing stuff on them a lot of times when it dovetails into the sovereign citizen stuff. And so uh, Moors are separate than sovereign citizens. But a lot of times when Moors get into the news, it's usually because they're the Moors who are into the sovereign citizen stuff. And so they do strange things like walk in people's houses and say that they own them. Like say it's a house that hasn't been sold yet or some there's some kind of transition. They'll take up space in these places or um, have fake driver's license, fake, li- fake license plates, um, all kinds of bizarre activity and then they'll say, "Well, I'm a citizen of Morocco, and so I don't, I don't um, adhere to the the uh, the rules of this land. I never agreed to the contract, and so you can't put your contract on me because I never agreed to this contract. Mm-hmm. So it's unlawful. It's an unlawful contract that you're trying to put on me. And so they they now the, I just got to be clear real quick." Sovereign citizen is different than Moors, but a lot of the Moors these days are getting into the sovereign citizen elements. Uh, there's white supremacists in sovereign citizen stuff too, who Hebrew Israelites who are sovereign citizens. Mm-hmm. That's more of a political stance, but the Moors are probably overrepresented in it. And since their movement hasn't skyrocketed like some of the other alternative urban spiritualities like Hebrew Israelism, for example, they don't have the same growth factor. Um, they usually are heard about when it has something to do with some sovereign citizen shenanigans but yeah they're around there's some good apologetic materials on them but not as much as other issues be sure very limited you know i do have their their version of the quran they have their own version of the quran written by uh noble drew ali and it's not really a quran but it's a thing you can get it get it online if you like 
so j- just for some people who are listening and they're like sovereign citizen, what does that look like? What is that? J- just a quick. Oh yes, yeah, it's, it's a set of set of beliefs that's that um, says that the person's not bound by America's laws, basically. Just America, that's or like, is it just like any nation? They're sort of like are they like anarch- anarchists? Uh, close to it, but they. They have essentially a pseudo alternative faux legal system that that's not really a system, but it's more of a legal theory that doesn't work anywhere but in their minds. And mm-hmm. so they use alternate language and they write their own contracts and they act as if they don't understand um, any legal language that's used by them in the court because they'll say that if you – if you agree to the language the court is using, then you're agreeing to the terms of the contract. And so they'll say, I don't understand what that means, um, but I am a man. I, I know it sounds weird. They have all these like uh, lingos they use. Mm. And uh, th- they uh, sometimes do turn violent, but that's that sovereign citizen stuff is not a spirituality. It's a legal theory, but some of these alternative spiritualities Correct. adopt it. Yeah, it's just uh, sometimes I'll see videos pop up online and then just because Mm -hmm. of my surroundings and and folks that I'm connected with are are predominantly uh, conservative, folks will share videos out. And Mm -hmm. and at times, like, I'll write back and be like, be very careful who you're sharing stuff out from because you won't be in agreement with kind of whatever it is that they believe. So I'm, uh, I'm assuming some of these videos, like, for example, online where a cop pulls someone over and is asking for yeah. ID and stuff. It's like it, it's mm-hmm. these sort of folks, right? It's yep. these guys saying, like, I don't know what you mean. I don't know what that is. Yes. Um, and they'll say, I'm not um, – I'm not – they'll say things like, I'm not dra- – what do they say? I'm not driving. I'm traveling. <laughs> they, have, they have all this alternative. And to them, it means something, but it really doesn't mean much. A lot of times – um, there's confrontations with the police and sometimes the police basically kind of give up on them. They're like, okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes they turn, um, contentious to say the least, you yeah. know? Yep. And, uh, okay. Yeah. So we want to, we want to jump into, um, the, the, the subjects for today. Um, I, I call this an update on Hebrews and lights and comedic religions. So I'm going to let you guide it, uh, in regards to what's going on, um, within, these movements. Well, uh, when we talk about the comedic folks, those are the the folks who are part of the conscious community, and the conscious community is this mindset or mentality that I'm a, I'm awakened, and usually it's to something that's considered native or indigenous to the adherent in some way, and in this specific context, it's African spiritualities, and so. The comedic folks don't agree on much themselves, but a lot of times they'll agree on some basic things. Uh, white man bad, Christianity bad, some form of ancient African spirituality or mentality about life good. And uh, there are various places, and they usually don't travel like in groups or pairs in the same way Hebrew Israelites do. It's usually one teacher with a following, and then the next teacher over here with a following. So young Pharaoh over here, Polite over here, Sarah Sutton Seti over here. And then there's the OGs like... Uh, Phil Valentine and these guys. Well, um, before, you know, you'd have to watch old VHS tapes and stuff like that. Now, obviously, they're all over YouTube and places like that. And sometimes some of the lingo will sound similar to like five percenters, 
which is an offshoot of the Nation of Islam, which is an offshoot of Orthodox Islam and Christianity and black nationalism. Mm -hmm. But they're not five percenters, although five percenters are often considered members of the conscious community. They're not comedic usually per se. Um, but the comedic cats, they emphasize something often to do with Egypt in some way. One of the more yes. prominent guys is Brother Jabari. He has a book out called Seven White Lies. He debated Vince Bantu, and uh, he's an interesting guy to listen to, interesting guy to listen to. I've met him a few times, and uh, he takes it serious, it seems, at some level as far as a mystical understanding of reality. Some of the guys, though, essentially seem to be what you might call Nile Valley atheists. What hmm. I mean by that is they're they're atheists, but it's an Afrocentric atheism, so it'll it'll manifest itself like this. Um, yeah, no God exists, but the principles of reality that were laid out and articulated in ancient Egypt, they match reality. And so the gods are like signs or symbols or avatars, ideological avatars. I don't mean literal avatars, sort of like ideological avatars, so to speak, of principles of reality relating to mathematics and science and logic. If that if that yeah. makes sense, so no, it's it essentially makes... an atheism using Kemet as sort of a blanket, but they're not really adhering to any ancient Egyptian spirituality at that point, of course. But, but they give lip service to it in a way. Does, does this regularly um, lead to some form of? I don't want to say I'm going to say racism, and I'm going to qualify it. Okay, but maybe nationalism might be the better term this hey our people had this first we're somehow better and then the forces have been against us to like suppress our intelligence and what could mm -hmm. we've given yeah. to the world like we're the origins of all these things uh definitely definitely superiority um, maybe is the best word to use yeah so sometimes scholars who deal with um, afrocentric views of history that are sort of overzealous so there's a difference between almost like whitewashing or blackwashing history. And obviously the more powerful and more common that we're aware of is whitewashing things, you know, minimizing black contribution or non-white contribution, um, et cetera, et cetera, things like that. And that's, that's just the tip of the iceberg. But then you can essentially go the other way. And some of these guys do, which is oh, basically almost everything came out of Africa is kind of their, their overarching, overarching thesis a lot of times. So, you know, you'll say amen, and they'll say, oh, that ties to the god Amun-Ra, you know, and they go on some linguistic uh, goose chase that basically is just based upon the words sounding similar. And then uh, they'll say, gotcha, with that. And then whether it's Greek philosophy, uh, whether it's the university, you name it, it, in some way it came out of usually Egypt. Usually that's the place that they'll, mm -hmm. they'll go to. That's why it's called Kemet, because Kemet's an ancient word for Egypt. So there are, have been some scholars who deal with this. I think one of the most well-known books, um, I forgot the, she's a female scholar, something Wits, I forgot the last name, Mary Berkowitz, but I don't think that's it, so don't quote me on that. But it's, I think it's called Not Out of Africa. Now, there's other ones as well. There's other ones as well. That's kind of the more well-known one. And they deal with a, another work called Black Athena. So this stuff is kind of older and academia is a little bit more aware of it. And sometimes uh, some of these Afrocentric folks who pop them kind of prop themselves up of sc as scholars of learning. Sometimes they'll get a degree or two here that's legit. Sometimes they don't and they fake it, but sometimes they end up in real places. What I mean is being chairs of departments of African studies or places like that, this does happen sometimes. And then you'll have a guy who's really on the verge between legitimate scholarship and being pseudo, and yet he's, you know, 
he's teaching somewhere for real. This yeah. has been documented. This has happened. Now, Hebrew Israelites don't have anything like that happen. And for the most part, they have a different way they infiltrate. It's usually through the church. But some of this has happened at the university level when you talk about Kemet. But we're in a different era. Kemet's really um, – I feel like it's in a free-for-all right now because one of the main guys, Polite, is in some serious legal trouble. He's facing some very extreme accusations, and it's going to trial. And um, – it's not like everyone there follows him, but he was like the guy who kind of crossed over with mainstream appeal. Now, of course, because of that, a lot of people looked at him as a sellout, but he kind of showed you can be successful touting these ideas. Uh, but now he's in some serious, serious hmm. legal trouble. You know what the interesting is? Yeah. Okay, the, the stuff for me is like all, all of these things exist in the Armenian community. Really? Every single one of them you're saying exists in the Armenian community, except replace Kemet with Armenia. Mm. and replace the mathematics. I'll give you an example. I was supposed to debate a guy, mm-hmm. um, and it never happened. Uh, I ended up on the podcast. Uh, we are supposed to debate God's existence. He claims that Mithraism originates in Armenia, mm. um, and w- which maybe potentially, I mean, I'm, I'm not necessarily against that idea. I mean, but, if, you want to be pr- if you want to be proud of that, sure. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I mean, the, the, some people think it's because the only uh, kind of – um, understanding of Mithraism we have is of the Roman version, but a lot of people think it's a Persian kind of originated thing. Some think it's Indian. That's what I. That's what I heard. What's yeah. the? Uh, that's why he's portrayed with the. How do you say it? Phrygian cap. Yeah, the the little yeah. weird thing. P H Y R. Yeah. Which is which is fine, but uh, the, his claims are again typical of some folks. Is that oh the, the Christ story and Jesus stolen from Mithras and all that stuff. Right. So we're supposed to debate some of this stuff. This guy. Who, who has a doctorate hmm. in a completely different area. Oh, right, 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 right. Right, it's a completely, completely different subject. But he's sort of a self-proclaimed Armenianologist. Hmm. And it's not that everything he says is wrong. There's quite a bit of historical stuff that he says is right. Linguistic similarities to groups of people in the Bosque in, in, in Spain. And I know people who were legitimate... Armenianologists and linguists of Armenians who've made these similar connections and written books on it. As a matter of fact, um, I have a, a friend whose father was an expert on this, written a lot of books in Armenian on this subject. But um, like they'll use these things and then go, see, told you all this stuff. Like mathematics originated in Armenia. And then you can find exactly the same stuff when it comes to the African versions of these things, right? Right. Um, but they all exist. So it's laughable to me is because I think pe- people who tend to be like displaced and have and, and somehow people have tried to wipe them out or enslave them or genocide, some, some sort of a disconnect with the ancestry, um, tend to elevate some of these things. If, if they're not biblically grounded and, and sound in regards to theology properly, will pursue ethnic ideas of this sort because it it places them historically and gives them kind of a value and a meaning and all that stuff. That's kind of my sociological commentary on, on this, but I, I see it all over the place. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, that one thing you said, like uh, the Christ story, this and that, like one of the famous books that a lot of these comedic guys will use um, is called Christianity before Christ, you know, hmm. and it's, it's got that kind of thesis going on. And so, uh, yeah, you, you do see you do see that a lot, and 
I mean, everybody wants um, everybody wants to take credit for the Jesus story, except know, huh? for you know, except for letting God have the credit. <laughs> yeah, everyone gets to be the originator, except for God Himself. I you know. know, I know, but yeah. Okay, so let, let's kind of transition into into Hebrewism. Um, well, yeah, sure, sure. When we were when we were together two years ago, we went and had a conversation with the the Sakari. That was the first group we spoke to, right? And um, who, when you got there, stopped responding. <laughs> yeah, um, which is hilarious to me. Um, initially, Anthony Rogers and I approached them, and they kind of were they're like, "These guys are ethnically ambiguous, weird looking folks." So let's try to see what's going on here. And we started a conversation with them, uh, and then. And then they were like, we've been enslaved by all nations. They were quoting some stuff out of context. And I told them, well, Armenians never enslaved black people. Um, and they, they, again, didn't have an idea of what that was about and where that was. And then you came and then the conversation stopped. And then we went to another group um, that was, I feel like they were louder. But I had to leave because I had to catch a flight. You guys ended up um, staying there. From what I gathered in that is that that other group was like a newer branch that had branched out. And it, that yeah. seems to be typical mm-hmm. in regards to, again, standing from the outside and not being really uh, invested in the study of, of Hebrewism is that there's these offshoots kind of get generated quite often. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure how much in disagreement with they they are with one another on like fundamental issues. If we can all gather them together and say, do you adhere to this, this, and this, and this? And they're all like, yes, but here's why, right? If we want to be yeah. gracious in that kind of a conversation. So tell us kind of what the reasons for a lot of their separations are. Well, there's sort of a fundamentalism uh, in, in a lot of one West Hebrew Israelites where it's like, well, if you don't agree on this, you know, the Mosai is not dealing with you. And it'd be something like, can women wear pants? You know, something mm-hmm. like that. And there's sort of a, uh, you know, a lot of it has to do with these guys in charge of these schools. A lot of times, you know, tend to be authoritarian and whatnot. And so they don't really brook any kind of disagreement. And that can create challenges. For example, um, let's say your leader, like IUIC did, uh, gets a, a new understanding of the scriptures and it results in them changing when they celebrate the feast days. So this could be the, the kind of compared to like new revelation, kind of like the Mormon prophets get or something like that. Yeah, but they'll put it along the lines of, you know, it's the idea is like, well, after we've studied this issue in the scriptures more. So it's you with most of the groups, most of them, it's not these days an angel told me this, although there's plenty of that in one West Hebrews history and actually mm-hmm. not just one Westers, you know, Ben on me says Gabriel visited him. He's the guy who started the community that lives over there in Demona, Israel. Uh, you get that kind of thing, but usually it's like, well, we've studied this farther or further. And now, now we realize we've been keeping the feast days wrong. We got to go with a different um, understanding of the moon and when to calculate things. And so now it's all shifted. It's all changed. It's all different. Or uh, other things. So, and so the point I brought up of that is, well, let's say you don't disagree because that could be considered like a massive change. Well, you got to agree or you can't be in the group. And yeah, it changed a year ago. You were saying something different, but now you've got to agree or you're not in. You, know, you don't really have that mm. option. And uh, th- then you got things like um, – uh, we don't use that verse anymore for a breakdown. 
So, you know, the groups will be using a certain verse and then they'll say, well, actually that's for whatever reason, sometimes they'll, sometimes it's because of interactions they've had with Christian apologists. They'll say, we don't use that verse anymore. And that's not as an egregious offense, but what will happen is you'll have this group drop using this verse. And so the camp members have to all be aware, hey, we can't use that verse as proof text anymore. But then some of the other camps that have been using that verse for for decades, they're still using it. So then it looks like a, a difference in, in that way. And so some of them are kind of minor. Others are just because of the the extraordinary claims these groups make, like ISUPK, General Yohanna. You have to refer to him as Commanding General Yohanna, number one. He has a subtitle uh, that literally reads, Second Only to Christ. That's his, that's his like second title. And uh, his group, they, they refer to their group as the home of the truth. And so they'll say the Most High is not dealing with any other group. And General Yohan is the one who's supposed to lead all of Israel. So, so they're, if you're they're, not, they're exclusivists. Yeah, and so some of them are like that. Others won't say they're exclusivists, but they operate. Yohan is the most like explicit with it. But some of the other groups kind of operate that way. GMS, they'll say we teach 100% truth. So it's not the home of the truth, but it's 100% truth. And usually the indication is and the other groups don't teach 100% truth. But yet GMS will change Let me backtrack a little bit. These are different camp names, by the way. Yeah. Let me backtrack a little bit in regards to the ISCUPK. Um, Is that an office, the second to Christ, or is it just attached to an individual? Like, I I don't know how old he is, by the way. Let's just say. I don't know because they haven't had a second guy yet, so I don't know. Got it. He hasn't so, died. He didn't inherit it, and no one's died, so it's just what he's taken for himself. Because that, that, naturally, that's what I would think it would be. Oh, wait, he died, and nothing happened. It's like, oh, then it's an office. It becomes whoever we elect to be that. Well, maybe. So the ICGJC, the Israelite Church of God and Jesus Christ, who around 2009 was the biggest Hebrew Israelite group uh, around. They're not now. Uh, their leader was uh, declared after a vision that he says he got on Mount Olive, I guess. He would declare himself to be uh, the Holy Spirit manifest, and so he his title was the God sent Comforter. And when he died, no no one else took that title. You know, they refer to him. He's dead. He died in twenty twenty of COVID. They mm. refer to him still as Jermaine Grant or Tazadakia, the God sent Comforter. So no one got to have that office. So I don't know. We'll see. That's interesting. That's interesting. Hey, what are <laughs> what are what are the primary historical or archaeological evidence supporting the claims made by some Hebrew Israelites or groups um, regarding their direct descendancy from ancient Israelites? They'll, um, they'll look at ancient inscriptions sometimes of things that are uh, either Semitic or perhaps Israelites in inscriptions. A lot of times uh, it's not clear. We'll say, the, 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 the scholars will say, well, it's... They're Semitic, but we don't know what they are sometimes. And they'll, they'll, it's almost like power of suggestion, and sometimes it's outright fraud. They'll, they'll, they'll say, look, that looks like a so-called black man. So sometimes it's just these ancient inscriptions look, like, look how we look. Hmm. Sometimes it, like that's what – when you say archaeological evidence, sometimes it's that. Sometimes they cheat. Now, I'm not saying all of them. Some of them, they darken images, they alter images, or they point to characters on the wall or whatever thing they're using that are not Semitic or Israelite people, so it's irrelevant. So it just depends as far as that goes. Uh, other times, they'll uh, point to things that don't really sound like proof to me at all. 
these are just the one West style Israelites. Now they'll say, well, look, here's a paleo Hebrew inscription. This is different than the language that the Jews so-called use today. They teach and embrace Yiddish. This is what real Hebrew looks like. And now we'll tell you how it sounds like. And so the one West Hebrew Israelites have something called Kalash one Kodash. You know, Yahweh, Bahashim, Yahweh Shai, Rakakadash, that they use themselves. That is not standardized Hebrew, where they've basically made the vowel sounds, almost all of them be the ah sound. Yeah. They'll say, well, that's the way you pronounce that. Paleo Hebrew is just a script, the square script that, that modern Jews use today, sometimes called the Assyrian script. It's just a development of the language. Every language, as far as the way it's written, uh, develops. So, you know, the Paleo Hebrew is more pictographic. But, you know, it doesn't have the vowel pointers that came later. And so the, 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 the people will say they'll, they've essentially used that opportunity to supply their own vocalization. And then they have their essentially an alternative form of Hebrew. And uh, it's it's not really Hebrew. And that's why a lot of people who know Hebrew hear them speak. They'll say, what are you saying? And they'll say, well, you don't understand it because you teach Yiddish. And the Hebrew speaker will be like, no. In fact, I got a clip on that. You want to play the Dr. Brown clip? Yeah, yeah. I'd love to. So they actually use that as evidence that the way they use it is we're speaking the real Hebrew. These fake Jews is the way they put it. They're not speaking real Hebrew. So who's the real people? That kind of thing. Okay. You know, so there's other examples. The Las Lunas Decalogue. I have a video on that where I interact with some material by the late, great Dr. Heiser and um, the Bat Creek Stone. I haven't really done anything on that um, and some inscriptions in, in Newark, Ohio. Uh, that they'll say are legitimate. And the funny thing is a lot of them are the same ones that Mormons use to show that Indians supposedly are Hebrews. Oh, and I do have a, I have a blog about that at the shield squad.com. If you look at the shield squad.com, I have two blogs about the Israelite Indian theory or sometimes called the Hebraic Indian theory because the one Westers embrace that as well. Okay. Let's, let's play this. Let's this is a recent this. call. Dr. Brown got this call where a one West Hebrew Israelite called and he began the call by speaking Lashawan Kodash, which is a non-existent form of Hebrew. And Dr. Brown called him out on it and they had an interesting conversation. If you I want to call it that. Who is our Heavenly Father, Bahashem in the name of Yahweh Shai, who the world so called ignorantly Jesus Christ. By the by the way, can can I just say that you just every all your Hebrew pronunciation is hundred percent wrong according to ancient Hebrew. Just wanted to let you know that one hundred percent grammatically, well, morphologically wrong. One hundred percent according to ancient Hebrew, which I read fluently. What makes what makes you think it's wrong? I know it's wrong because we know vowel structure from the ancient languages. Well, okay, so what's your answer to the ancient Hebrew name of our Hebrew so, yeah, yeah, Yahweh and Yeshua. Yeshua is fixed. We know that for certain. Yeah, that's where you're wrong because that's where you're wrong because there's no Jews in the ancient Hebrew Pelaleo. Yeah, yes, there is. They, they, of course, there is. You're 100 percent ignorant. Okay? This is my field. I've got a PhD in it. I read it fluently in the original scripts, the original languages. Of course, there's an Usam. Absolutely, I, I can prove it categorically. I can prove it by comparative data from, from Akkadian. I can prove it with comparative data from other inscriptions. I can prove it from development of the language of Hebrew and Syriac okay, and Aramaic and Arabic, none of, which, none of which you know, and all of which I know. They deny modern-day Hebrew as being valid real Hebrew. Okay. They have something they call Lashawan Kadash, supposed to be like pure tongue. Right, the holy language or something. And it's based upon the idea that basically every letter only makes one sound. And what they've done is they take out all the vowel vocalizations and make their own speculative vocalization supposedly based upon Paleo-Hebrew. And a lot of it just becomes the A sound. Paleo-Hebrew had no vowels, but, but 
So they offer their own speculative vocalizations, which came by way of an angelic vision. Oh, okay. Well, the angelic vision trumps everything. So, <laughs> so that's recent clip. That's actually been going around, that clip with Dr. Brown and that caller. And the caller starts it with, you know, I want to say, and so he gives Lashawan Kodash, and Dr. Brown says, hey, just so you know, your pronunciation's not not historical. It's not legitimate. And so the guy starts interacting with it on him. And then he says, well, I didn't call to talk about that anyway. <laughs> but, you know, the, here's the background to it. Just before the exile, and I tweeted about this, so I'm, I'm looking at one of my own tweets here. Because mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I was looking at a book that collated some, some information about this, specifically a history of the Hebrew language by Angel Signs Bedios and uh, Intro to Biblical Hebrew Syntax by Walt Key and O'Connor. And, and they point out that just before the exile, Hebrew language began using the wa to, 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 to represent the long O and the U sounds. And if you look at the Siloam inscription around 700, you won't see that. That doesn't have what are called medial vowels. And that's what they're talking about because he, he specifically said, how do you, well, there's no U sound. And he said, well, yeah, there was. And then when you look at the letters at Lachish around 587 BC, they do have some medial wa vowels. And what that means is you, you have this uh, the U sound being represented by something else. And then uh, by 100 BC, you have these medial uh, vowels being used everywhere at Qumran. Mm. Almost whenever there's an opportunity, they're using them. And so this is even before the introduction of the vowel points, the little dots and all that type of stuff that the Masoretes put in. But the Masoretes, they were not adding something that didn't exist, they were representing what Hebrew speakers were already using. But since everybody could no longer supply the vowels when they spoke, they wanted to make sure that there was a way to definitively say, here's the vowel in this uh, set of characters, because it would be nouns, I'm sorry, consonants only before that. And so my point is that we do have an example of the Hebrew language as it developed, utilizing the U sound, despite what the caller claim there and that's what dr brown was saying and so they'll make claims like that now imagine if you know you're out on the street you could become bewildered because it's like uh, essentially an alternative view of history that these folks hold to you know Correct. it's an entirely way of looking at everything and fortunately dr brown was able to call him out on that but that's just one of their conspiracy theories now again most of the conversation we've been having centers on the one west hebrew israelites the hebrew israelites who live in demona israel uh, the group called the African Hebrews Lights of Jerusalem, they use standard Hebrew. So not all of them embrace all these conspiracy theories, but they will agree on the basic thesis that black Americans are Israelites. You know what I mean? But they don't all agree on the other things. That's interesting. That helps. Yeah, I, I think I've said this before to you. It, it would be like I, a lot of them I don't see trying to trace their ancestry to like Ethiopia they're doing something else, which would have been, I suppose, maybe a more natural thing to do that you could have some grounding for, correct? Yes. In fact, the very first um, established groups, okay, one of the very first, not the very first, one of the very first established groups in Harlem, uh, New York, established in 1919, called the Commandment Keepers initially used language to describe themselves like this, the royal order of the Ethiopian Hebrews. So the very first, um, some of the very first guys like in Harlem 
who got a hold of this. Now, Hebrewism didn't start in Harlem. It grew a lot out of Harlem, but actually started in the South. Mm. And then the people spread the message from Arkansas and Oklahoma to, to the country, and it grew especially in the East Coast. And then you have Harlem being a growth center. But um, they actually did use that. And so they would try to tie themselves to Ethiopia. And some of their leaders, some of their rabbis, as they would call them, would take tricks to, trips to Ethiopia and um, act as if sort of it was like a covering for them almost. But a lot of uh, Hebrewsites since them have dropped that kind of pretense and said, no, that's not that's not what's going on here. That's not what's going on here. And so, you know, one time I had a Hebrewsite caller and I said, look, you can't determine your ancestry by a, a special feeling that you think you get. Yeah, yeah. And I had Hebrews of Light last week do a whole video response on my comment saying that, saying, well, vocab's not a spiritual man. He doesn't get that special feeling, so he doesn't understand. But we do because we know who we are. Why not just and take, so, like, ancestry DNA tests? They, they will say uh, most of them, okay, especially the One West variety, they'll say uh, DNA is not an established science. They just wipe it off. They say, well, I don't buy that. It's not valid. It's not valid science. And so they just discount it. They just say it doesn't count as evidence, basically. Now, there is a very small percentage of Hebrewsites who um, get into DNA. Most of them do it sort of illegitimately. They play games with it. Some actually know what they're talking about. One group in particular, they're not a camp. They're more like an internet collective research group called the Yap Gang. They actually know something about DNA. And they disagree with almost all these camps and groups out here. They have a much more nuanced hmm. position and understanding. Um, they maybe, I think, often some of their theories, some of it gets kind of complicated. So I'm not acting like I even understand all the nuances of their position within their group. Now, it's a smaller group. I don't want to say they're super influential, but they have some influence because they know what they're talking about to a large degree. Um, but they disagree with almost everything that camps and those guys say. You know, they don't buy into the, the 12 tribes chart. The 12 tribes chart's insane because regardless of if you agree with DNA or not, you have people on there who on the maternal line, and that's what the Hebrews lights count. Uh, I'm sorry, did I say paternal? I'm sorry, maternal. I meant maternal. to say paternal, excuse me. The, the father's side on the paternal line, you have people who have radically different haplogroups smashed together on the 12 tribes chart. And regardless of what you think about long-term DNA studies or not, what that means is that they don't have the same male ancestor. Like definitively, mm. they don't. That's what that means. But they don't care about that. So those smash them all. Groups like the Yap Gang, which I said is a smaller kind of minority group, but I appreciate the work they do. They'll say that's that's nonsense because they know it's nonsense. But a lot of the Hebrews – in fact, Dr. Brown, we just played this clip. He recently debated Gorilla Hebrew, who's a leader of the Sakari sect, and it was a very good debate, by the way. And they had a brief discussion of DNA, which I think would be interesting. People can watch that on my channel. Just look for Dr. Brown and pull up that debate. And there's a section where they discussed the genetics. And so uh, genetics is not something that most of them use is a legitimate proof the ones that do play games with it like ron dalton jr kind of just he does a snow job you know old term for just lying basically mm. and the, some of the ones who do know what they're talking about they don't agree with most Hebrew israelites that's my perception anyway at this point and as far as the genetics element okay um so how fringe by the way this, so this is a question coming in um that are they a fringe sort of group or is there a chance that they grow into a large mainstreamish movement? Well, that's they are a fringe group, but they've already grown into making inroads into the mainstream. So Kanye West in those interviews, 
some of the stuff he was saying was directly influenced by Hebrewism. You know, we're the blood, we're the bloodline of Christ. Um, the tribes of Judah um, were the real Jews. They're Jewish. He said all that stuff. That's all Hebrewite talk. Oh, what are, there's some basketball talk. players now, some rappers and basketball players that are. Yeah, yeah. So like Kyrie Irving tweeted the movie by Ron Dalton Jr. that I mentioned. I mentioned him earlier as a DNA, um, the pseudo DNA guy. Um, he Kyrie Irving, you know, he now plays for the Dallas Mavericks, retweeted out um, the link to the Hebrews to Negroes video, which if you watch it, it engages in Holocaust revisionism. It describes Jews in all kinds of, I'll just say, unflattering ways. Mm. It has alternative fake history. So, you know, it is anti-Semitic and it is uh, propaganda. It has a fake quote by Hitler that does not exist. Supposedly that Hitler knew who the true Jews were and that's why he started World War II and history will one day vindicate him. It shares that as if it's real. So, yeah, so that's very mainstream. And that's just some examples. There's actually a bunch of examples when you look around. Um, where you say, "Whoa, this person's into it now. This person's into it now." You know, Fantasia from American Idol. Mm-hmm. Her and her husband, they're in GOCC. That's a Hebrews like group. They promote that stuff, and a lot of other basketball players besides Kyrie have toyed around with it. So it's no longer strictly French. Um, so let me and it's just growing before you fast. continue. Um, yeah. So Islam seems to be like a large growth kind of thing in prisons. Uh, do we have a similar things, uh, similar thing with Hebrew Israelites, and also about Hebrew Israelite growth in Africa? Because I know they've been doing missionary trips in Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Hebrew Israelism is growing in Africa. Now it's usually different versions than the, the than the One West version that I've been mainly talking about. Mm-hmm. It's usually the version that is that gives the the Igbo people. Um, basically a wholesale pass to being Israelites. And so that's a big push, and some of the Igbo are buying into it. But a lot of it comes from false hope that, honestly, some Western missionaries put when they were like, maybe these folks are part of the lost tribes, you know, Mm. and that kind of got circulated in the water. And then years later, Hebrewsites come and kind of re-stir that, and some people are like, hey, we're the real Israelites. So the Igbo-pushing folks are not the one West folks what the One West folks do when they go visit, like IUIC, they'll go visit, say, Ghana or Freetown, Sierra Leone. They're looking for people who still fulfill the curses in the proper way because, by the way, the way that they determine their Israelites is they fulfill the curses supposedly of Deuteronomy 28. So they say the way we know we're Israel is because we're getting punished like Israel basically, right? They go or are looking for Israelites who are not Hamitic but are Semitic. So a one West understanding of Africa is a lot of it's Hamites, but there are Semites mixed in who may look somewhat similar. This is their lingo, but whose spirit is different or maybe whose family history or story is different. Mm -hmm. And the way you find out is who accepts the message, basically. And so it is growing. So there's videos. If you put Hebrew Israelite Africa and jump Google around, you'll find pictures of the and videos of these guys out in the markets in certain cities in Africa preaching, sounding just like a guy on the corner of 19th Avenue and Campbell back here in Phoenix. But yet now they've adopted this. Now that's the one West style. They have a different version than the Igbo pushers. But some of them go down to South Africa, like Ron Dalton. I mentioned him several times. I think he moved to South Africa because he has a, another conspiracy theory. Guess what it is? He teaches, he teaches that Israel is actually in Africa. So Jerusalem is not located in in Ruiz. Oh. It's located there. And so it's, it's a conspiracy of geography as well. 
but it's pretty some pretty wild stuff there. But I should probably show you a video of IUIC to explain to you why yeah. they're problematic. Do you see any of the videos that's labeled IUIC or that shows one of the purple and gold guys? There's a couple we could show. For example, the one labeled IUIC creature. That'd be probably a good one to look at. IUIC creature or IUIC creature 2. I think it's labeled something like that in the email. Yeah, yeah. You can play that one. That's a different one, but you can still, that's still a good one to play. I know I already heard uh, the beginning of it. I know what it is. You got these memorized. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it happens. But this will give you an idea of what's going on and, and uh, an update as well. If you have it. If not, I'll just stall. Okay. So I got it pulled up. So IUIC is about 10,000 members strong. They're the biggest One West group. They wear purple and gold, very distinctive colors. They recently had a Passover in which they propped up their leader uh, almost as a god, definitely as a king. And I have some footage about that, that Passover, because that Passover was so over the top in its adoration for Nathaniel, the leader, that even a lot of fellow Hebrewsites had a problem with it. That's how bad the man worship was. And they also have been in the sort of apologetic circle news because IUIC got into a scuffle with ISUPK. They literally were fighting over a corner to preach on. And this this uh, disagreement started out verbally there in Kansas City, Missouri about a month ago. And it turned physical. And there's only like four ISUPK guys and like 25 IOIC guys. So the video ends with them having all of them on the ground. This is all recent stuff. And what it shows is a few things. The intercompetition between groups literally over spaces at this point and IUIC's growth, where they used to be in a more competitive frame or competitive bracket with ISUPK. Now, ISUPK may think that they're competing with IUIC, but IUIC's growth has outpaced ISUPK, for example, so great that, that it's not. Now, all the groups are growing to an extent. For example, a couple of years ago, ISUPK opened up a branch out here in Phoenix. They didn't used to have one. Now they do. But it's nowhere near the size of IUIC's. So almost all of them are growing, but IUIC's growth is exponentially faster. And that's mainly because they're more organized than the other groups. But their message is basically the same. And they don't like the label hate group, but clearly they're a hate group. So what clips do you got from them, bro? So I got this one with the guy that's wearing black and gold. Is that, should I play uh, that one? Uh, well, purple and gold, but just play the clip. Let's yeah, see what you got. Well, I, looks, I, there's no man on the planet Earth yeah, yeah. that has opened the Bible and brought it out to the capacity that the bishop has done. God has choose you to lead, to lead the flock. Okay, so yeah, it is black and gold in that one. So keep Sorry. it on right there. That guy is named Nathaniel. This way. That's Nathaniel on your screen. He's the leader of IUIC. He's a former NYPD detective. And they recently had their Passover in Dallas, Texas. That's one of their uh, other leaders, by the way. And that look at that. What's he on, Arthur? Can you go back? What Did you see what he was on? The horse? Yeah, he's on a horse. He's on, a, he's, on a horse. he's on a horse. Now, the thing with the horse is funny because they had Bishop Nathaniel ride in on a horse for Passover. And then they spent like an hour uh, giving him his flowers, so to speak. 
And so it was just such a clear example of man worship. And Christians pointed out, like, why is this guy riding around? And they turned it into, oh, you guys must be racist because you don't like to see a black man on the horse. No, it's not that. It's what's the Passover about? What's the Passover about? They spent a little bit of time talking about it. It's, of course, Israel's freedom out of captivity and into a place where they can be established as a nation. Hold on. There's one other thing in that clip I wanted you to play one more time. Sure. And of course, this is all wrought by Yahweh, but it what it ultimately prefigures Christ. That's the real Exodus. And in the Gospel of Luke, scholars have pointed this out for a long time. Luke especially points to the cross as an Exodus event. And indeed, the event, if you want to put it that way, of the Old Testament is the Exodus. The event of the New Testament is the cross. And so that's that's what the Passover is supposed to be about. Now, for the Christian, they're supposed to really point to the Passover lamb. That's what Paul says. Jesus is. It's who he is. And that's, of course, what John the Baptist, the kind of languages he used for Jesus as well. Behold, the lamb who comes to take away the sin of the world. So that's who Jesus is. That's what he's supposed to be. And so that's an emphasis. And when you think about the Passover, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, donkey fulfilling Zechariah 9.9. So there's a few things here. Nathaniel's not a conquering general. They actually call him general, by the way. They call him Gen General Nathanyalaga. He's not a conquering general, and yet he's sort of – it's sort of a make-believe play thing where he rides in as if he's a conquering general. Do you see? And he almost has faux armor on, right? Clearly, this is like designed to be – in his hair is even kind of Caesar-ish. Clearly, it's designed with all this regalia to be, look, royalty. And indeed, they have a record label. It's called Original Royalty Records. Um. All of Israel was never royalty anyway. In fact, remember, hey, Israel, you want a king? Guess what he's going to do to your sons and daughters? Yeah. Is that, are you sure you want that? It was, the, there was a royal house, but they a lot of times operated like pagan kings anyway. It's not like all of Israel was royalty. I mean, yeah, read, read Kings and Chronicles. There yeah. <laughs> but they, you know, there's this sort of delusion essentially, and Nathaniel's at the top of the pyramid, at least with an IUIC schema. So he's riding around on a horse for Passover, despite the fact that Jesus himself rode into, is a, on, a, on a donkey. And he's as if he's a conquering general when all he really is is a cult leader, frankly. Mm. And it's it's the showmanship in this game. And then they're talking about him with these laudatory terms, talking about being nervous in his presence and all this kind of stuff. But I want you That's to hear the audio. Wow. Can you play the audio one more time? Listen to yeah, what sure. he says. in the. This is one of Nathaniel's top guys named Asaph. Deacon Asaph, listen to what Asaph says about Nathaniel. In the, in the audio, you don't see a guy talking, but it's laid over the video. What's he say? Could you listen to this? There's no man on the planet Earth that has opened the Bible and brought it out to the capacity that the bishop has done. God has wow, there's no, man, there's no man on Earth that has brought opened the Bible and brought it up to the capacity that he has done it. Yes. No man on the planet Earth who has opened the Bible and brought it out to the the capacity like, the, that, that means like revealed stuff. it to everyone huh yeah wow out of everybody on earth this man has opened the bible and brought out it out more than any person on planet earth god has chosen you to lead the flock yeah so most people that observe this say this is clearly cultic activity yeah they just think it's what they're supposed to do you know, to them, it's very normal. It's just, hey, we're, we're just... You know, I suppose that one of the interesting things that um, 
will become problematic, I think, with groups like this. Generally, it does. I, I think just religions, you see this, is individuals who, who sort of like converted into it and have bought into it, and then right. the kids that are born into it. So the oh, Hebrewism yeah. is at a point where you could say third, potentially third, fourth generations have been born into it, correct? Oh, yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Um, what has that been like in regards to people who've been raised within Hebrewism? Um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, we we don't have, I guess, t- tons of anecdotal data yet, but they're the kids are not always as you know faithful as the adults, but. It's almost like where in some households, you know, people raise Christian or like, well, yeah, I believe in God, you know, and this and that. There's sort of this residual mm-hmm. kind of bare minimum theism, Christian belief, you know, that happens with sometimes the the Israelite families, for lack of a better word, where it's like the kids are like, oh, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. But I know I'm an Israelite. That the key thing a lot of times is retained. But, you know, we have some interesting stories with these second-generation folks. For example, uh, one person in particular, their father was not just a Hebrew Israelite, but the leader of one of the camps. And this person started reading the Bible and realizing that they were being – they had been raised their whole life in a cult. And this person wanted to go to Bible college and essentially was able to use college sort of as an excuse to – kind of escape out of the house. It was all kind of very clandestine, mm. but was able to get out of the house, out of the influence from underneath this cult leader that was their father and is now married to a Christian spouse and a full out believer in the gospel and very thankful. And the reason I know this is I played a small role in helping the person get into this school, a very small role, but I played somewhat of a role and th- it's a pretty significant thing. Now, I wish there was more stories like that, but there are stories like that, hmm. you know. So so um, we'll see. We'll see what it results in. I don't know what the future will be with that. Yeah, that's the, the, fascinating question. That's sort of like the cool thing about uh, reading the Bible, like actually put, giving access to the Bible to people. Because uh, if they really want their cult to kind of continue, uh, to, that's probably not the wisest thing they can do is just allow people just to read the Bible. Because at one point, if, if they're thinking and processing and comparing, they're going to realize, wait, what did you just use this thing that doesn't connect in this way? What's going on? It's sort of like, um, it's sort of like the, the Watchtower Society. So mm-hmm. like there, there is references, okay, and, and I don't have it in my hand, but there's references in the Watchtower pamphlets where it says... If you read the Bible on your own, you'll become a Trinitarian. So you need the Watchtower Society to teach you the truth. It's like, okay, that's that's cool to know, guys. <laughs> what you need to do. We need you to tell us the wrong stuff, right? Um, and so that's it's interesting that people would come to that. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, can I show you something else? That's, yeah. Because some, some people might be like, well, what's the big deal? Right. What's the problem here? What's what's the issue? Well, I'm going to show you something more extreme. Do you have the video that's labeled Sakari? I think it's labeled Sakari Kiss. 
is is this the guy with the red bandana? Uh, I think so. So this is in. He's talking uh, about murdering everyone or something. Oh well, you can play that too. That's Sakari. That's a different. I think it's labeled Sakari Threat. Oh, that's a perfect one actually. Let's play that one. So I think this is in Philly. This is uh, also with Sakari. This is in Philly. So Sakari is yet another Hebrews alike group, right? And here you see a very casual conversation with a guy on a scooter, and he and the background to the conversation is he's talking to him, but they're like he's on the street and then a bus is coming he's like hey i need to get up off the into the curb he's like no just stay there back up he's like you wouldn't want that to happen that'd be murder because like he's like saying i get hit by a bus and die what do you mean and the guy's like no we're gonna murder you he's like wait what he's like yeah we're gonna hunt you down and what he's referred to is there is the one west eschatology Hmm. one west eschatology is that israelites are gonna have slaves and when yahawashai that's who they call jesus comes back He's going to like slaughter everybody and they're going to be part of the process of slaughtering everybody. So this is a brief clip, but this shows the violent rhetoric that some of these groups embrace that they believe is part of the scripture. And the problem is they pull people into it. A lot of times, not very spiritual people, because obviously this violent rhetoric sometimes appeals to the most carnal minded men. So check this clip out. It would be murder. I'm going to murder. We're going to that's, murder you. That's what the Lord right. said. Right. Got to hit like this. Got it. We're going to, the Lord said we're going to, do this to us. We're going to murder you. We're going to hunt y'all all Really? You you, really, you believe in the religion that God wants people to die? Yes. That's not nice. Absolutely. What does that mean? What's this, what, what is slaughter? What is that? So <laughs> the guy that they're talking to is an atheist. You know, and he's like, he's like a YouTuber. He's like a Philly YouTuber, right? So that's why he says hit like and subscribe. So he goes around on a scooter doing videos of people in Philly. He comes across the Sakari camp and uh, he's like, well, we are going to murder you. If you notice what he says, he says, we're going to hunt you all down. Mm -hmm. So he's referring to uh, white people who they would call Edomites, but he's also referring to anybody who's not on their 12 tribes chart because anybody who's not on the 12 tribes chart is also going to be enslaved and all that stuff. But it's just a such a wild clip, and this is a recent current clip. So obviously, this is problematic. Imagine opening up the Bible and teaching this is what's in here, and that's why he's the guy at the end was saying slaughter. What's he was referring to one of the verses in the Bible that refers to slaughter, saying what's slaughter? He's trying to say, hey, this this is in the Bible. Yeah, we are going to kill you. He was applying it as if he's an Israelite and he's going to do this, whatever, whatever. But you know, that's an example. And if you want to see this play out. You got to get the video that says Sakari Kiss. And what you're going to see there is in New York, an example where you have them have a guy bow down and like kiss their feet because they believe that's what other nations are going to have to do eventually for them, Mm -hmm. right? And so they'll get people sometimes on the street, they'll convince them to engage in this behavior and they'll be all excited about it, you know, because they'll be like, hey, man, this is like, you know, this is like a, a harbinger of what's going to happen in the future where we're going to rule all the nations. Oh, the, okay. This is the guy kissing, actually. They actually make a kiss. Yeah. If you got that one. Yeah. Yeah. So this is helpful to. This is why I'm opposed to this because it's thoroughly unbiblical, but it's, it doesn't just stay in the realm of like Jehovah's Witnesses. Like it's very. Jehovah's Witnesses aren't going to threaten anybody. They yeah. don't teach they're going to enslave people, they don't have people kiss their feet. These guys have a religion that literally breeds and manifests hate and antichrist values on a regular basis, such as this clip right here. Okay, here we go. 
Understanding, Yahweh's son is coming to wreak havoc on the earth, man. You think, yeah, you think, you think the Lord is saved? You think Christ is gonna come back with hugs and kisses and rainbows and dragonflies and 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 ponies and and a bunch of unicorns? The evil bow before the good. Right? If anybody, if if you if you think this is wrong, then you must hate the Bible. So, so look at Daniel. So, so I got um, something mm -hmm. here. Clearly, this guy is not. He, he's got some issues. Okay? Yeah, he's not well. He's not well. Yeah. Um, from the way he's speaking, from the stuff he's saying, uh, other yeah. than like what he's doing, some people could do things out of like extreme guilt. Yeah. And 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 make decisions like that and do things where it's like, well, why would you do that? Why would you go kiss someone's feet? But the way this this gentleman speaking seems like he's not well. Just, just take advantage of that. You, I mean, you, it doesn't. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to pay attention. Like this is an unwell individual. Um, is. It's like it's evil, man. It's it, there's no nothing else you can say. It is evil. It's utterly evil. Yeah, and if you notice what he said, he said, "If you don't like this, you hate the Bible." Yeah, no. So that's where you know, woe to them that call evil good and good evil, right? Mm. I mean, that's exactly what's happening. And let's just let's put it in biblical comparison. Comparison, right? Mm. Let's think about this in the context of scripture. The angel comes and delivers a message to John the Revelator on the Isle of Patmos, and John bow down. John bows down at a certain point to the angel. If you guys remember the account, when he does that, he says, "What are you doing? Get up! I'm a messenger. Basically, I'm a messenger, just like you're supposed to be a messenger." I'm paraphrasing somewhat, but yeah. when you read Revelation, I think it might be chapter 19. But when you read Revelation, John bows out. He bows down to the angel. The angel does not accept John bowing down before him. That's important. And then, of course, you see the case where they thought that Paul and Barnabas, uh, was it Barnabas or Silas? Now I forgot. Help me out. It's Silas. Yeah, I'm sorry. Silas. Zeus and Hermes. Wasn't it Zeus and Hermes that they were saying, you're this, mm -hmm. you're that? Yeah. And they treat him like, you know, no, 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 guys, we are not gods. No, 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 no. No, we are not. You're not gods. They don't. That's not what they're after. That's not what they're accepting. Jesus Christ himself washes the feet of his own disciples, says, you want to be great in the kingdom, you got to be mm -hmm. a servant, right? These guys go out actively seeking to have people kiss and lick their shoes. And there's lots and of these videos on the internet, by the way. Tons of yeah. these videos. Tons of these videos. Now, this is one of the more extreme ones that I've seen because I've never seen one except for this one where they proceed to everybody have a group step where everybody steps on the man. So and that's what they do. You know, they take advantage where they all start stepping on him, right? And yeah. and so I think that, you know, you kind of see like the extremes. And, you know, to them, they're out there, I guess, having a good time. 
Like imagine how perverse you got to be to think this is like a good time or that you're doing the Lord's work or this is ministry yeah. <laughs> in my goodness. Right. Oh. But that's what's, that's what's going on there. And they'll, they'll turn to old Testament passages that speak about Israel being a conqueror over wickedness. You know, they'll, they'll take it as like a racial thing. Like, Oh, look, it's over Gentile nations. And since I know I'm an Israelite, here's what the Gentiles are going to do. But when you look at it, um, you see this motif of Israel is going to be a conqueror. And the way it's filtered through in the new Testament is that it's through the subjugation of Christ to the nations that this is fulfilled. And that's why a fellow Israelite, Paul says, I'm a slave, I'm a bond servant, mm-hmm. I'm a do loss to Christ. So these guys want people to, you know, bow down, kiss their feet and tr- be like a, sort of a subservient status. But the way the Christian perspective is, is we're servants of Christ and we're not coming to seek to be served. Jesus himself said, that's not why I'm coming. I'm not coming over to be served, right? I'm coming to seek and say that's what's lost. And yet this is the way these guys operate. It shows that they're like the Gentiles that Jesus condemned when he said, don't lord your authority over them like Gentiles. That's their mentality is very uh, goyish. To, to use the manner of speaking is all oh, let's get this right if you're understanding it through the lens of what jesus is saying there but none of it d- portrays the meekness or humility of christ or the way his disciples should be and yet this is part of their religion because it's clearly a pagan religion yeah. with I mean, a con- pagan ritual considering even the fact that the bible says that uh christ died for us while we were yet his enemies yeah right? like that, that concept when you take it it's like we were his enemies and he loved mm-hmm. us so much. And even if these people are your enemies, which they're not, right, on the streets that you meet, it's like, oh, white people did something. For all you know, that guy's ancestry could be somewhere from, I don't know, uh, Lithuania. Like, had no connections to anything that you're claiming. Yeah. Yeah, they don't know. I mean, his father could be a light-skinned Puerto Rican. They don't know. I don't know. We don't, you know, it's like, it's ridiculous. Uh, Yeah. You know, but that's, that's, that's the kind of thing that's going on out there. And that's what they actively seek. Now I'll show another clip. Do you have the clip that I think it's one that I sent you via message? And it's like a minute, I think 50. It shows a guy. And uh, it's actually the very uh, first one I sent you. Yeah. The very first message. The, the gentleman that's talking. Yes, this one's fascinating because this is the same group. Now, this is Gorilla Hebrew, the leader of the group. And I want you to watch the way they denigrate the New Testament scriptures. They would put it in terms of, oh, the Apostle Paul. But really, the Lord's using Paul to write 13 of the 27 New Testament epistles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So they're denigrating the authority of the New Testament. They're not just disagreeing with Paul when they say what they're about to say. I want you to see what they say here, everybody. You can even pause one, but do you have that one up? It's two minutes and two, two minutes, uh, 19 seconds. Yeah, I think I got it's a little one. bit longer there. There's two in a row. The very first two I sent you, both of them actually have this. Uh, this uh, Hold on, hold on. Let me see here. Uh, hold on, hold on. Sorry, 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 sorry. Sorry. It's oh, the man. second one. The second one I sent you, not the first the, one. The one that they're on the streets. Yeah, yeah, but there's two in a row, and it's the second one. It's the shorter one. That's only, um, it's okay, only uh, 50, like fifty. One. Let me see. It's only forty. It's forty-seven seconds. It's a bunch of guys on the street, yeah. and everything I said about it is true. But it's not the first clip I sent you. Got it. The, yeah, uh, yeah. Message. It's the second one I sent you, and this is this is a very fascinating thing too, because here you have um, biblical authority being replaced by something else, 
which is essentially the authority of the group itself, you know? Uh, but do you got okay. it up? Yeah, let's go. All right, let's see this one. Herod Agrippa was told by Paul that Paul wanted him to not be in chains and that Paul wanted him to be saved. What does that have to do with the Lord God? Because, because Herod is an Edomite, and you believe, you believe white folks are Edomites, correct? Do you, know, do you know Agrippa used to be at the temple every Sabbath? Did you know that? What about it? So it, Paul like, said he, wa he wanted him to be just like himself. Paul said he wanted Agrippa to be like him. When did, when did Paul's will become God's will? It well, didn't. well, he so said. Well, Agrippa asked Paul, him if he would be, if he Paul would make him a Christian. Paul juxtaposes his will from God's will in Romans nine. Go ahead. Paul nine. would never. Paul would not deceive a bunch of people in the room with Agrippa by saying that he wanted all of them to be just like him. After Agrippa asked well, him if would, he wanted him to be a Christian. By, uh, uh, you, you just make. You're making Paul the author of confusion. Okay. Is Paul the author of confusion? Yes, he is. No. Yes. No. Yes, he is. God is not oh, the oh, author oh, of confusion, and God inspired Paul. Okay. So did Jesus? Yep. Look, Arthur, at the end of the Arthur, day, inter, what do you think of that? You know, the, at the end of the day, they're going to have to do this. Yeah. Right. Like, And I've seen this in regards to like Christians who've misunderstood scripture. They just didn't have good hermeneutical skills all the way to like cults. Uh, like you see this in Islam, by the way. It's like, oh, Paul invented Christianity. Jesus yeah. never preached that. It was Paul. Right. Um, it's the idea. Like some people say, Paul says, um, you know, uh, the Lord, not I, and I, not the Lord. And they don't understand that's a, that's a mechanism of coding someone. Um, what he's saying is not, he's saying, oh, this isn't scripture. This isn't inspired. Don't pay attention to that. That's not what he's saying. Um, and so like it or not, once their view comes in conflict with scripture, they're going to get rid of scripture. They're going to get, they're going to somehow say it's Paul, it's John, it's X, Y, and Z. And, uh, we don't buy into that. They're wrong. They're, oh, he is the author of confusion. Paul's the one who started all yeah. this stuff. Ain't that wild that he said that? Paul's the author of confusion. Yeah. And he's he gives Romans 9 as an example, basically saying, well, look, Paul also did the same type of shenanigans in Romans yeah. 9 where he has. But notice it's a, um, you know, he is assuming Paul's putting his own will forth as opposed to God's. And yet, what's really happening is Paul is expressing God's will. Mm -hmm. He's not he's not replacing God's will with his own will. In fact, what an excellent thing to do to see that is look at Paul's biography. In the book of Acts, we have him hunting down Christians because they're saying, "What's up? Uh, this 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 guy Jesus is the Messiah," and he doesn't like that, and so he's zealous for it. And he talks about this. So he's a Hebrew of Hebrews. He's a Pharisee of Pharisees. And in Philippians 3, he talks about it. He says, you know, I was zealous. I was righteous. I was persecuting, right? He mentions all these things. And he says, but now I count that all as loss. Mm -hmm. Sake of knowing Christ, Philippians 3, 1 through 11, right? He says it was scubalon, which is like just something to dispose of, waste. And so that's fascinating, because there you see that Paul had a radical encounter with the risen Lord Jesus. He's an apostle born out of time. He's not doing his own thing. He's doing something that is directly commissioned by Jesus himself. Jesus said, I'm going to show you what you got to do. You got to go preach the gospel before kings. Kings. Did the, Hebrew, did the Israelites have a king? Well, I guess you could maybe say one if you want to. Mm. But kings would imply you're going to preach before Gentiles as well. 
My, that's my point by saying that. Yeah. And Gentiles, I'm going to show you what you got to do, Paul. And it's going to be hard and it's not going to be easy. And he commissions the, them to his, this work in Acts 9. And Paul recounts that later on when he talks about the heavenly vision. Now, the man on the street, I think his name is Matthew. Great, great work he does there. I think this is in Atlanta. What he's saying is is what Paul refers to. He's referring to Acts 26. And there it says this, Acts 27, 26, 27. Mm. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. Now, Agrippa is an Edomite. He's of the house of Herod. He's of Edomia. So they think the Edomites are white people, so they would be condemned. But yet Paul's sharing the gospel with them. Watch this. Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. It's almost like he knew the One West version of the gospel would be there one day, and he went out of his way to go the opposite because he yeah. says, except for these chains, whereas they want Edomites, those that they think are Edomites, in chains. Yeah. And so he is speaking to someone, Paul knows his lineage, and he doesn't just say it to Agrippa. He says it to everyone there. So this is the apostolic witness, the apostolic model in the book of Acts. And if you're going to discount Luke recording Paul's words in a way that is clearly commending yeah. them in Acts, then you're going to get into trouble with what about the gospel of Luke? Correct. He's the author of both of them. This isn't just Paul by himself. This is Luke commending this as well. So this religion can't faithfully deal with the New Testament, so it has to play games with it, all the while accepting the Apocrypha. That's that's why this religion's a, a, a problem, because it's heretical, but also you can see strictly yeah. on a societal level, it's destructive and divisive as well. Correct. So these are all recent clips, and this is kind of the, some of the update. And so that's why when sometimes people are like, why are you concerned? Why are you worried? Well, they're growing, and they're getting worse sort of in their doctrinal um, outlandishness as well. And so it's getting more people stray farther off the path. Well, uh, the thing is that they're specifically targeting individuals who are ethnic or, or black who have, like you could say, who have kind of a religious background and upbringing and stuff mm -hmm. uh, and don't know the scriptures very well. And then th what they're doing is they're deceiving them into that. They're saying, oh, yep. did you know, like, this is what people have hidden from you and stuff. Yeah, your pastor so it, won't tell you this. Yeah. Well, yeah, your pastor won't tell you this because it's false. Because <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lie. I'm glad your pastor, I mean, the pastor also probably won't tell you the earth is flat, hopefully. But that's because it's not. Oh, Sakari teaches the earth is flat. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you go down this list. I mean, I'm just saying there's things your pastor shouldn't tell you. It's not that he's keeping a secret. It's he might now, granted, there's bad pastors, bad churches. We Correct. don't know that, especially probably in the Atlanta area. But, you know, you look at this and you see this, and they're following the same playbook in a sense that Jehovah's Witness followed, yeah. whether it was purposeful or not. But studies when the Jehovah's Witnesses were having a high conversion rate into their religion, studies show that the main um, prototype, the prototypical convert into Jehovah's Witness was someone who was poorly churched. So it, someone who was kind of Christianized in a way, but was disassociated from the church in some way currently. Right. And that's what's going on. Now, not only though, Hebrews lights are getting people sometimes who are invested and even 
pastors. There's a video on my channel, Apostolic Pastor Turns Hebrew Israelite. And it's a mm. very kind of standard, you know, kind of guy preaching and doing this, talking about leadership and vision. And then he embraces Hebrew Israelism. And so, and he has a decent YouTube channel. I think he had like 15,000, 17,000 subs. And he does like an online ministry and wrote a book about XYZ. So my point is like, it's not only those folks, although that's the main demographic they go after, you know, for sure. Okay. Mm -mm -mm. Hey, you got something here with a, uh, with like, uh, what seems to be like an army lining up. Yeah. The last video you sent me. We've been talking about the growth because usually when I talk about this, I understand people are like, well, there's vocab doing that niche stuff, that weird stuff, but I'd rather talk about this. And I get that. Okay. I get that. I understand that. But the reason I specialize is not just for kicks. It's because this is a pressing issue that's relevant and on the rise and is already here in very many ways. And the reason why I sent that video was to show you an example of their growth. This is one particular group, and they stage these marches. Yeah, IUIC. This isn't even their biggest march. This is just the one I had on hand to show you an example of one of their marches. Their bigger marches, uh, the last one, I think, hit 1,200 people out there marching around. This this one gives you an idea of the growth. And, and, you know, you'll see. You got it up? Yeah, I'm playing it. on this a little bit so this looks attractive vocab you like it you want to join <laughs> i no, can like, get you in contact with iucla if you want here's what i mean okay here's what i mean it uh-huh. looks attractive in the sense of like it's organized we're ethnically aware we know who we are we know uh-huh. we're, we're about as uh, as black men Right now, I know they use language like the so-called black man. Like I get all that stuff, but I can see why a young man can look at this and say, wow, like finally, dude, like I get, I I can get to um, be in contact with my roots and my people and be serious about that. Uh-huh. That's what I mean. That it's it's attractive. It's a bunch of guys that are predominantly like good-looking, well-groomed, um, fit. Uh-huh. Uh, they work out right. 
uh, like those things considering, by the way, I'm talking about like consider the conversations that are happening in our, in our culture. It's like, why are people attracted to someone like an Andrew Tate, for example, and how this stuff like correlates and connects together? Yeah. I think he just got charged again today, by the way. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they charged him and his brother today. Yeah. Yeah, so you can see, and, you know, IUIC has the best uh, marketing promotion design. They have the sort of the most uh, design to captivate and grab and uh, yank the emotion more so than any other group. And their media machine is one of the main reasons they've grown, but it's also because they're organized, but those things all go Yeah, I think the first time I ever came across them was on Periscope. Wow. Okay. Yep. Going back. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're huge on clubhouse. I was, uh, tr- I was trying to join a room the other day and I didn't even mm. know it was an IUIC ran room. You know, it, I didn't, I didn't actually, I, di- I didn't know that. And I go in, I was like, Oh, this is a, I found out later. That's what it was, you know, cause it was such a big room and a prominent thing I got invited to. Mm. And so they're big on there. They have their own streaming service, IUIC, you know, some of the other groups have tried to imitate that, but you know, not to the same degree of success. But, you know, it's one group, though. The thing is, if it was just IUIC, it'd be interesting. And then you could say, oh, kind of like the Nation of Islam. But the thing is, this is very different than the Nation of Islam. The Nation of Islam is centered in Chicago uh, around Farrakhan, obviously before that Elijah mm-hmm. Muhammad. And who knows who's next. But um, this isn't centralized in the same way. IUIC is centralized. But IUIC is one growing group out of a ton of growing groups. I hope people understand that. So we're talking about multiple groups with growth. And so let's say that uh, IUIC kind of falls by the wayside in the next five years, something happens. There's going to be some other group there that's going to, you know, pay, as of now, because the gro- that's the way the growth cycle is for these guys. Because before it was ICGJC with Jermaine Grant, the God sent comforter guy, they were the big show in town. Well, not now. So this is a, uh, a different concerning thing. And it's not, I don't, I don't think I would ever describe this. I don't like this terminology. People will kind of minimize Hebrews lights. Oh, it's a jailhouse religion. I've never done that. You never hear me calling it a jailhouse religion. First of all, that doesn't even speak to something's veracity or not. You know what I mean? And, 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 but that being said, it is starting to grow now. And in, in uh, populations where people are incarcerated, more so than the past, because if you go through the past, it's Orthodox Islam, it's the nation of Islam. And actually in some places like where David Wood was locked up is the five percenters. You haven't seen like this growth of Hebrew Israelism until now. I know at least two um, s- s- systems where chaplains have said, man, this is like the new thing that's growing. This is the the main thing where I see mm. inmates gravitating towards is this. So I'm not I'm not saying it's jihadist religion. I'm saying that it is starting to grow in those places, which is just another sign of its reach or tentacles, that it's also growing there as well. Yeah. And they'll say, oh, vocab must hate us because these people get cleaned up and fixed and changed. First of all, that's not, that's not the case. Uh, you have cases where uh, folks are involved with these groups and just as bad as ever. In fact, Thursday, I'm doing a show on a guy who was a member of IUIC. And apparently, right before, uh, was let go. But I don't know if there's evidence of that. But he was a member just a few months before. That's obvious in Indiana. This is seven years ago, but I'm going to talk about it because I've never talked about it. And he uh, linked up with a 
a woman who wasn't a woman, but he didn't know that and ended up shooting the person in the face. And it's a whole story and then tried to rob the person. So it's like pretty bad. Well, yeah. stuff like that happens in these groups. I'm not saying every day all the time. And they'll be like, what about the wicked Christian church? Yeah. But the point is they don't always get cleaned up, so to speak. And the nation of Islam could say, oh, look, we clean up people too. So this outward cleaning is something Jesus talked about. He said, woe to you. You, you, you clean the outside of the cup, but what about the inside of the cup? Yeah, and then, I mean, you know, that's not you, an you, argument for, the, yeah, for something to be not. truthful. Yeah, it's, like, it's not. And like I said, you could see that, you know, Muslims could make some kind of argument like that. Oh, they, they can, absolutely. Now, they, now they're, you know, they're not eating pork and they're not drinking alcohol. Why would you not like that? The nation of Islam obviously could have made that argument prior. And of course, we're forgetting the, all the changed lives of Christians. You <laughs> You know, from from the Christian hip hop group I used to love and listen to, the Gospel Gangsters, their story to Tom mm. Skinner up out of Harlem, who was who was in uh, a gang in the back in the go back in the '60s. To you know, there's a long list of people. My old roommate Sal, who was from Echo Park, L.A. Uh, there's a whole long list of Christians being changed by Jesus, and it's beautiful to see. Um, now, so the question is, what's be, who's born again for real? What's long lasting, permanent change, and ultimately, what's true? So. It's it's not like, oh, look, they're in the prison. You know, it's just another false religion going in there. You know, that's all it is. And so I just want people to be aware. And those are some of the updates of Hebrewism that you asked yeah. about. I got more videos, but I don't sure. know what time what time. You yeah. Um, so the, before, before I move on, I want to drop a, a thank you, a big thank you to Radar Apologetics for for the super chat. Appreciate it. He said blessings to you both. Everyone like and share the stream. Show some love. Appreciate it. Radar Apologetics. Um yeah, I got time, man. I'm 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 good for another thirty minutes, if you're good with that. Well, let's see. Um, do you want to do something? Because a lot of the stuff has been sort of like, for lack of a better word, societal. Mm -hmm. I'd like to show something more strictly theological to show sure, you. Yeah, the underpinnings are unhealthy when it comes to the most important issues that Christians should care about, theologically speaking. For example, Arthur, you know. What are most of the early debates in the early church for the first couple hundred years that we see? They're mainly centered on what? The deity of Christ. Yeah, exactly. That's the big thing, right? And, of course, that's what Nicaea is about. Yeah. Um, have you ever been to is what's called Izmir? Isn't that where Nicaea is, is now? Izmir? No, I've never been. I've never been to Turkey. I have friends who have been. Yeah. Never been to Turkey? I have not. Not oh, okay. yet. I wonder what I wonder what a place like Izmir is like today, but but uh, anyway, so you know, and I see you there. Da, da, da. Uh, so maybe I somebody in the comments, we might have some people in the comments who's, who's been to Izmir. So who what? I said maybe we have some people in the comments who've been to Izmir. I'm not. I'm not really oh sure yeah, in the chat. I'd, I'd love to know. But if you have the clip, I sent you two of them. It says IUIC creature. And so, you know, Christians have cared about the deity of Christ. It's this, it's the, the person and work of Christ is the centerpiece of what the New Testament is about and what Christianity should therefore be about as disciples of Christ. And here you have IUIC Detroit talking. And the reason why they're having this discussion is because some urban Christian apologists, shout out to them, earlier mm -hmm. this month, June. So this is all current stuff, everything we've gotten into today. They went out to IUIC Detroit School, and they preached the gospel outside of their doors and had a little miniature discussion, I'll put it that way, with some of the members of IUIC Detroit. And one of the discussions was, who's Jesus? Well, what happened with IUIC Detroit? They talked about it later on, and I want you to see how they talk about Jesus here. Okay. Do you have that clip? It's, yep, it's 12 seconds. Yeah, listen to this clip, though. The root word of creature is what? 
create. Meaning you had to be what? Created. Because Christ was created by the Most High God. Um, dude, these word study fallacies are like the thing to do for these groups. Yeah. It's like, here's yeah. a root word to this. Must mean this. It's like, um, no, not necessarily. <sighs> okay. I don't necessarily know even how he's trying to get the idea that Jesus is a, where's he getting this idea? He's a creature anyway. I'm not really sure. Yeah. I'm assuming he... yeah, it, it might've been some kind of a quotation from something saying Jesus is a, a creature, but you, you can just call anything in existence a sort of creature. It's, it's like the way we use it. It's, it's suppose like we use the word animal like that. Okay. So I'll give you an example. Uh, in a lot of the philosophical lingo, uh, there's language about like we are rational animals, okay? right? Yeah, yeah. And then somebody goes, but the word animal means a uncivilized like beast. And so what these guys are really saying is that you guys are uncivilized beasts. They're just adding rational in there. To, it's like no, it's just it's it's there's a distinction happening. We're part of you know, gen generally like we're all animals. We're all living sort of stuff. Um, as opposed to inanimate objects, like and they and they use this kind of language, it's yeah. So okay, they, it clearly believes that Jesus is a created being. I mean, that's the only very, place. I, so I think what they're trying to do is out of Colossians one, perhaps, because I don't know if any place in the New Testament or anywhere where Jesus is ever called a creature. But mm -hmm. I think what they're trying to do is Colossians one fifteen. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Yeah. I think that's what they're doing. So, you know, heretics have tried to take this and say, oh, look, Jesus is, uh, you know, in some way a lesser being than God himself. There's uh, some kind of inferiority, right? So you got image there, which means icon. And then you have him being described in this way as the image of the invisible God. That's important. Now, what is it saying? It's not saying that he was born first. If it's literally saying that, everyone, then when was Jesus born and how was he born? You know, there wasn't a mother involved. We're not Mormons. We don't believe that. What do they think they mean when they see firstborn in this way? Now, there's people that have different theories about it, but that'd be something that would be important to know. But all you got to do is just read <laughs> the rest of the passage, of course, right? I mean, you know yes. this. So, I, I mean, I, maybe I should let you you speak here. But everyone should know, you know, this is a common argument Jehovah's Witnesses give where they take the firstborn of creation. Yeah. But there's at least two things in the text, and one of them have to do with understanding what the word firstborn means. And the other has to do with going to the end of the text and seeing what else he's the firstborn of. But let me let you comment. You're an apologist. Sure, yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> um, yeah, when it comes to the firstborn, I was actually doing a word study right now. Like when you were talking, I was trying to do a word study on the word creature in, in my software to see what comes up. But it doesn't seem like anything comes up. Um, so if we're looking at firstborn uh, within the way that Paul's using it in Colossians, that it, it is being the first in a line of things. It's not necessarily, uh, it's preeminent. It's authority. It's, we, have, we have a cool word in Armenian for this, by the way. Um, it's, it's Andranik, which could mean it's a name as well. You'd name your firstborn children that name. You can't more, you can name your second born child Andranik. Please don't, that doesn't make sense. Uh, it goes against the idea of what the firstborn son is. Well, firstborn son has to be born that. 
uh, but uh, name that. But we're talking about Christ being either uh, the firstborn from the dead, like he's the forerunner, the first guy to come back and resurrect from the dead. Yeah, that's Colossians which, 118. Yeah, which, which makes the complete sense. The firstborn from the dead. And then but notice how it gives the definition really to what firstborn means right after that, right? That in everything he might be preeminent. And preeminent, correct. That's the key about firstborn because if they're saying, oh, look, he's the first thing God created. That's what Arians tried to do there in Colossians 1.15 yeah. with the firstborn of all creation. If they're trying to do that, then they have to explain how the same understanding, which is really a misunderstanding that they have of that understanding there, Colossians 1.15, they've got to use a consistent definition for the firstborn from the dead. Well, what does that mean to say that Christ burn is a firstborn from the dead? By the way, the Greek word there is prototakos. So what does it Correct. mean that he's a firstborn from the dead? Where we get dead? anything uh, like prototype, right? Like this first kind of, that, that's the same ideology, by the way. Yeah, um, it's, it's he's preeminent over everything in creation as well as preeminent from those who will be dead and be resurrected. He's yeah, the just, just in the case somebody, just in case somebody might think, but wait, there's other people that are resurrected from the dead in the Bible, like Lazarus or something like that. Um, a clarification here, here would be that Lazarus was not resurrected, uh, the way we think about resurrection when it comes to yeah, Christ. It's more like resuscitation. Yeah, but because Lazarus would have lived his life and died. Anyone who's brought back from the dead in the Bible, uh, other than Jesus lives their life out and dies at one point. Christ is resurrected and lives forevermore. He will never die. And we will be like him in the resurrection. So when you and I as believers are resurrected, we will continue living life without death. Death will be no more. And that's mm -hmm. the sort of resurrection that is being spoken about here in Colossians, not just coming back from the dead. Right. You know, I can give you an example. Um, where you'll see um, Jacob being described as God's firstborn son. Mm -hmm. And I think there's even an example of that in the, the Apocrypha. You know, uh, uh, well, not, well, it depends if you count this in the Apocrypha, specifically Jubilee. Uh, some people don't have mm -hmm. that in their Apocrypha. But, but the point is the usage of the word. Uh, you also have Isaac uh, being called Abraham's firstborn son. This, so this is in Greek. This is in the Septuagint rendering of these. Prototakis. Well, he's not. Neither of those people are literally first. It's saying preeminent among those. That's the way it's used. It's a very Hebraic way mm -hmm. of understanding it, and that's what it's saying there with Jesus. That's what it's saying, and so it's sort of a metaphor in a way. And Paul, Paul is using it here, and I think people should understand it when they just read the entire passage, and I think that's important to understand. And so. You look and you say, well, this is not saying this ain't saying Jesus was created first. That's what they're trying to get. And here's what's crazy, Arthur. I want to show you how they try to say Jesus is created. Do you have that other clip the where it's um says IUIC creature two? It's the it's where they try to say this happened, or where it's in the Bible. And they say, But if you don't get it, you know, your understanding's not great enough. And so everyone, the reason why we're doing this is to show you if you've been concerned about Jehovah's Witnesses at your door. One of the things you talk about with them as a Christian is when you guys are saying Jesus Christ is created. So if he's created, he's not God. That's the old heresy of Arianism that was dealt with at the Council of Nicaea. And it's dealt with in the scripture because the scripture doesn't support the idea of a created Jesus. And I want to show you that these guys have – a lot of them have some kind of Christological error. In the case of IUIC, we're specifically looking at IUIC Detroit. As they interact with Christian apologists, they refer to Jesus as a creature. 
think that Colossians 115 proves that he was created and made. And now they're going to go to Genesis 1-3 and show in the Old Testament supposedly where this happened. Are you ready for this one? I'm trying to pull that one up. Hang on, just give me a second. And, you know, I've dealt with uh, cultic groups for a while. I've dealt with mm -hmm. Christological error for a while. i got to tell you, you know, and there's always something new to learn. I've never seen this misuse that they're about to use. Really? To try to prove that Jesus is a created creature. I've never seen this specific verse employed in this way. Now, unfortunately, he doesn't unpack it very much. He just says, where's the bomb sound? Boom, you know, look, this is the fact of it. And you, if you got to be deep to get this, but I've never oh. seen anyone use it in the way he's about to use it. It's funny. So I have a friend. You, I have a friend who became like a Hindu. He went into oh, Hinduism yeah. and stuff. And every time he would quote the Bible to me in support of Hinduism, and then I would mm -hmm. explain to him that's hermeneutically incorrect. He would say it's too deep for you to understand. You're not like enlightened. <laughs> yeah. Like that's that's so convenient. Every time I try to rationalize, you're saying, "Oh, you're thinking. You're using your mind too much. You got to use your." It's very typical. Uh, so this is the one. Yep. Interesting. Uh oh. Was upon the face of the deep. Three verse three. Hang on. Okay, so this is out of Genesis one. This is, is going to get interesting. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. Three verse three. Verse three. And God said, let there be light. Let there be what? Let there be light. Let there be what? Let there be light. Where's the bomb? Where's the bomb? Christ was created right there. But guess what? Wisdom is too high for a fool, bruh. Wisdom is too high. You don't even understand that. Come on. You had something? Go to one. Go go back to the video real quick. Go to Do you one. understand it, Arthur? Did, did so is, is, is this guy you? saying like when he says "Let there be light," the light is Jesus Himself? Yeah, I've, because he's saying guys, Jesus is the light of the world. So that's where he's going. With oh that. Lord, have mercy. Um. So I, look, I've been doing this for twenty. I'm coming up on twenty years as a Christian. I've probably been doing street ministry, uh, apologetic work, interacting with cults of various sorts. Like I've never heard this passage used like this. Yeah, I've never. It's so egregious, you know. Even historically, I think I don't. I, I don't think I've read any weird heretic use this passage. Everybody's understood that the "Let there be light" is the beginning of creation. Yeah, well, and and watch, watch this. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from yeah. darkness and called it day. Genesis one five. Literally, God says He called the light day, and the darkness He called night. It, it's explaining what it is. All you got to do is look at the next thing. You don't get to say, oh, Jesus is the light of the world. Therefore, where it says, uh, God said, let there be light, that's God creating Jesus. Because it explains right there. God separates the light from the darkness. God called yeah. the light day. It, his, it's not, it doesn't say God called the light Jesus yeah. or something like that. Or God the son of God or something. Day. Yeah. Or, then you got to believe Jesus is somehow separated. He's got light and dark in him. Yeah, it gets very Gnostic, you know, yin yang or something like that there. <laughs> Dude, that's weird. That's wild. But that so really this was. is the kind of – so these kind of Christological heres to, uh, heresies, honestly, to this group, they're almost secondary. What I mean by that is this. Hebrewism is not about who Jesus is, Arthur. Mm -hmm. It's about who you think you are. Correct. So like a Christological heir to us is the the worst thing in a way. But it's like, wait, hold on. You can't be saved if you don't have the right Savior. You you can't have someone who's not God 
take away your sin. There's only one Savior. The, the Isaiah talks about this. It, it, Yahweh talks about it, rather, mm -hmm. in Isaiah. I'm the only Savior. So you can't have Jesus be a Savior and him not be God. He can't pay for the sin because of the argument the book of Hebrew makes. He would have his own sin to pay for. It's, a, it's not just a minor theoretical problem. It's Jesus cannot be some created being. And this is why this is the very first big – this is the thing that – that created the first ecumenical council. There have been local councils before that, but looking back Correct. on history, the reason why those Christians got together because it's such a big deal is because people were saying Jesus was created. The famous Arius, uh, Arian jingle, mm -hmm. you know, that there was a time when the sun was not. That's what they're saying there. This is classic Arianism. To them, they just think that we're just promoting who we are, whatever, whatever. Okay, Christians want to talk about this. They wouldn't even be talking about this on the show unless they were reacting to their interaction they had earlier that week with Christian apologists. That's what yeah. we have to force them to talk about who Jesus is. Here's what they say Jesus is. Oh, he's black like us. That's all they really got for him. You know, or he's a god like us. They believe that mm. uh an Israelite male is god in the same way that Jesus Correct. is god. And so they don't mean it as if they're uncreated beings, but they have the same godhood status that Jesus has. Now, it's not on the level of the Father because they don't think Jesus is uncreated, right? Understand? However, they think they have the same – the only difference is Jesus is sort of – he has primacy because he was first in this thing, you know, the Correct. godhood status. But they believe ontologically – now, that's not a word they would use per se. It's the same godhood status. That Jesus has vocab, uh, absolutely. A, like that's that's very obvious. But for for yeah. people who claim to be like all about the scripture and then they're always reading it and then telling someone to mm -hmm. repeat it and stuff, how much ignorance of the very basics of reading is shown in that clip? It's bad. Um, you know, these guys to get where they are in the organization of IUIC, they go on Quizlet and they do uh, these little miniature tests over something called the precept packet. There's different preset packets for different levels, I guess. And you take these little quizzes and have to get the right answers. And uh, it's really not really so much knowledge. It's like, have you been properly brainwashed, basically? Mm. And so they have all these precepts. So it's similar to Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, Walter Martin back in the day said that most Jehovah's Witnesses could, you know, twist, turn the average Christian into a doctrinal pretzel within 30 seconds or something like that, right? And that's because mm. they had a certain amount of things memorized, and they would be able to be at your door and, you know, Hebrews lights, they, maybe they have more memorized a lot as far as their sort of leaders or speakers, but it's very similar. And you get them off script, and they end up saying things like, well, Paul was deceiving Agrippa, yeah, or Paul didn't really mean it, or whatever, whatever. Or it's like, well, that doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. It's it's like that frequently. Or like your case, they didn't really know what to do with you ethnically. So it's like, well, okay, but it doesn't. They don't really care in a way. Yeah, yeah, correct. Oh, wow. You know, let me show you. Uh, I got, I got. Um, this is like from IUIC's um little. They they like all the memes they produce. This is on my phone. But it literally is an advertisement for IUIC TV. I'm going to put it up on the webcam here. I don't know if you can full screen it. And it says, when men became gods, I'm going to show this to you in a second, and it has UFOs in the background, which I can explain if you want, and it's rated R for revolution, and shows the two leaders having superpowers. So are you ready? Can you see this? Oh, yeah. Dude. Dude that, that's like, it's like a Marvel movie. It is like a Marvel movie. So the UFOs are the chariots described in the book of Ezekiel, ah. and black angels will be manning them, and they're going to rain down destruction on America 
while nuclear missiles are coming, and then the Israelites will take part in the destruction and slaughtering their enemies. And that's why they're having superpowers. They believe they'll be granted spiritual powers like Marvel characters when Yahawashai returns. Hey, and that's this some says, dope editing right there. When men became gods. Yeah. That's what that says. Yeah, well, I... I did I I don't know if I send you the clip that's very short that actually shows them like turning into turning into superheroes. Hang on, I think you sent something. It yeah, with the, light, like the lightning and stuff. Yeah, can you show that? Yeah, I like it. Dude, so this, hey man, editing so is make, fun. You like it? Yeah. So they make actual videos showing what I'm talking about, and the thing is, you know, we can in a way it's fun funny right but i yeah. gotta tell you guys for sure example is. think about the watchtower you know they always had their little booklets their little pamphlets and then they would have this kind of odd art and they would show like someone grabbing an apple you know on earth you know they're in paradise or whatever mm -hmm. um but there's a reason why they use images it kind of sells the realistic realism of the idea well a lot of these groups have really fallen behind on sort of the internet game with using video and visual images uh, effectively as they should for the growth of their organization. IOIC, much smaller than the Jehovah's Witnesses, yet way more ambitious in the media. And what happens, I've seen it time and time again, the media game will become a reality with actual numbers and boots on the ground over time. Mm. Because they have the organization to sort of funnel enough people who are drawn into the media element. So this stuff really works for them is what I'm trying to say. Let mm. me show you. This is their leader getting superpowers that he's going to use in the, in the future on people. Watch this. What's your reaction? Uh, hey, man, look, I like Lightning. I like Thor. He's one of my favorite ones. Uh, but uh, Raiden. Um, dude, look, in all seriousness, um, their, their, their view of end times, right? Like, so let's compare that to like a Christian, generally historical kind of view of end times. I'm not getting into like rapture kind of sort of stuff. Right, I'm right, just right. talking about like every, something every Christian agrees on that Christ is going to come back. He's going to judge. Christ is going to judge righteously, right? The mm -hmm. living and the dead. There's peace that's going to be established mm -hmm. in the world. And as the book of Revelation says, the kingdoms of this world or the nations of this world, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, and there's just peace. And then God dwells with people in this, what we would say, global garden. Right. Um, none of the stuff, it seems to me, that they're promoting and times-wise has anything to do with God doing stuff. It's nope. they are the ones judging. They are the ones with the power. They are the ones coming to uh, oppress. I, I think they'd be fine with that kind of language. Uh, dominate. Yeah. yeah, they would be. Subjugate. Subjugate, yeah. Uh -huh. it's And that's like my initial thought is, wow, it's so human-centered, centered, uh -huh. as opposed to, again, the biblical view is God's going to, yeah, God is ultimately, like you and I, we are flawed, finite judges. Right, you and I could make judgments, and we could do a pretty decent job. Like, but I can't judge your heart. I can't judge your intentions. 
I can't judge. I'm not all knowing. I don't remember every single detail. Um, God does, and that, so therefore the judgment belongs to the Lord. Amen. Judgment, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Amen. And these guys are the complete opposite of all of that stuff. That's that's what my reaction is there, man. Well, yeah. Let me show you. This is another picture of. Because if you notice, first it was just Nathaniel. He's a leader of IUIC. Mm -hmm. But then after that, yeah, they showed all the leader, the leadership, right? Well, here's another one of the leaders posing with a young man who drew him a picture. I don't have the young man in the picture. I've cropped it out, cropped him out so the picture is sm uh, smaller. But I want you to see on his garment, this is one of their leaders. So there's the portrait that, that was mm -hmm. drawn for the leader. This is not Nathaniel, but he's one of those top guys. Can you see what's sewn into the garment on the man's shirt? Are you able to tell it's kind of a silhouette of it? What it looks like? Yeah, right in there in the middle, underneath it. Yeah, no, I see that. I just, I, I'm having a hard time seeing what it looks like. Is that a, it's not a hammer, is it? What is it? It's a UFO. Oh, I see. It's one of the, it's one of the spaceships. Uh, no, I, okay, yeah, they I, call was, them, I was, they, Yeah, they call them chariots. So they're really, really into UFOs. Some of them are. Again, these are mainly the street type guys. These are the guys out on the street. These are not guys who, who who like would learn real Hebrew, for example. These are the street. But the reason I bring up the street guys now, those guys are growing too. The so-called moderates, they're growing as well. But other people more specialized in them. I tend to more specialize in the camps, the one west guys, Correct. Yeah. The more militant guys. They are really into the UFOs. Yeah, as you can tell especially IUIC. And it's very interesting. You know, Farrakhan was into that stuff too, Nation of Islam, the mothership coming back. And so it's like this, these extraterrestrials that are coming back to vanquish. So and there so, should be a lot of activity considering the whole Vegas videos and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. They think that's the angels letting them know the time is soon. Hmm. You know, the, the hey, the time is soon. And they think that Esau, that's why people make movies specifically to t to get people's mentality ready to fight the angels and the armies of God, like Independence Day. They think Independence Day is essentially like white propaganda to get you to ready to, to be able to fight this. And that's why they specifically had a black man as the lead, <laughs> an Israelite, to, 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 to kind of twist the knife further into this propagandist uh, movie. Revisionism is a, is a disgusting thing. And maybe we could show one last video. Sure, this yeah. is probably this is one last video. This is on the general overall One West eschatology. So all this stuff is almost all the material I've shown today is newer stuff that that was um, hadn't been produced last time we talked. Now the ideas were around, but it's newly uh, it's all new content. So this one is labeled One West Eschaton. And has the number one and then west and then eschaton it's like a 52 second video where i show pictures and images that these guys use and then i briefly explain their eschatology and yep. again it really has very little to do with jesus it has nothing to do with serving him it has very little to do with uh, god because you know whom uh, who do we have in heaven but you right whom have i in heaven yeah. but you right that's what the psalmist says he's our portion meaning we're satisfied with him that's what the Christian, when they're in their right spirit, that's what they center their heavenly experience on. Because we realize we don't know a lot. We're not told a lot. Of, that's not a, a main part of our revelation. We just trust God that it's going to be good because we trust him. 
But the key element is that he dwells with us forever and we would dwell with him forever. Their heaven is basically this earth just with the roles of who's in charge, how they want it. Okay. Very carnal-minded, very temporal. So this this has a red thing in there, right? There's one West and Times Art. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yep. Let's watch Here this. We. Here we go. Is there sound with it? Oh. Sorry, guys, because, hey, that's some bomb narration you're doing there, by the way. Oh, thanks for shit. Yeah, so this is a little short I made, but I thought it was a helpful little little thing real quick to explain this, and then uh, maybe we'll be on our way. Yeah. Let's look at some art by one West Hebrew Israelites. <laughs> this represents their eschatology, when they believe the chariots, which they say are actually UFOs, come back manned by black angels and then help the Israelites destroy all of their racial and ethnic enemies. They believe they will be able to fly, have superpowers, have laser beams come out of their eyes that are essentially heat vision that will melt and destroy opponents. They believe that this is spoken of in places like Obadiah, the book of Revelation, and they believe that there will be a wholesale destruction United States, because while this invasion is happening, nuclear missiles will also be coming from abroad, and then they'll be transferred to Israel, and they'll rule there. That's what they believe. Can you play it without the sound and then pause on each image so I can briefly point out some things to you? Would that be okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I I can't... You have to hold up the image there, but just go to the first image and then pause on that for a second because I, there's a delay, and I can't see the image unless I uh, see it on so, the screen. But I can look at it there. So as long as you're at the so first So the first image then, is uh, the three UFOs with the Pope and Jesus and Abe Lincoln, I think. Well, that's the second image. Okay, the so first the fir- one is the one with Jesus on the cross, ostensibly. Yes, okay. Yeah. Okay, do you see in the where that arrow is pointed on my image? And I know it's a little blurry, but do you yeah, see it says the chariot? arrow? Yeah, it says chariot? Yeah. But so I didn't write chariot. That's that's what's in their art that they wrote so there's like what the, who they would say is black messiah and then a chariots in the background of that so even the crucifix is dominated by this type of stuff if mm. you go to the next one the first one you mentioned are you there with the black and white image yes okay so who do you see that's being subjugated in that picture <laughs> it's, it's jesus he's in chains that's, wh- that's white Jesus, though. Yeah, white so Jesus, yeah. Yeah, yeah, white the Jesus Pope. is in chains. The Pope? Abe Lincoln. I think that might... might be, but I feel like that's probably a Jewish man. Oh. That, yeah. yeah, okay. You, that makes a lot more sense because there's religious stuff. Who's the guy that's in the red over there? That's an average Edomite slave. Because they think Edomites are descendants of Esau, and they say he's red. So they'll say, what happens when you slap a white person, they turn red? What happens when they're out in the sun, they're red? And mm. I think he's also been getting beat. Yeah, it's, it's, it's And also, close. see, they got the swords out and stuff. Mm-hmm. And notice how the one guy has like a headdress on, like a Native American headdress. You mm-hmm. see that? The guy standing in the back. That's because, remember, they think the tribe of Gad are Native Americans. And so that would represent one of the 12 tribes um, 
a Gadai. And notice how at the top it says Salvation of the Lost Tribes of Israel. This is actually vintage One West art. This goes back to the wow. 80s, this art. But what I want to show you is they digitized this. So keep that image in mind. I'm going to show you later on a digital version of it. Can you go to the next picture? What do you see there? Uh, it's a digital version of it, yeah. Oh, it's, it's a digital version. And who's on the bottom there? <laughs> is that Jim Caviezel? That's Jim Caviezel's head. So it got more graphic. Could you move that little, Whoa. you got the little bar thing. Yeah, can you yeah, move yeah. that so I can see him de be decapitated, put it to the side. You know what I'm talking about? Well, they got an American flag in there too. Uh-huh. Yeah. So sub, that's an example. And there's someone else that's beheaded. I can't tell there's some other heads floating around on chains. But you see, you still have the Gadite with the headdress there. Yeah. But see, that's that old one West art updated. So they're updating what was done way back in the 80s on ink and paper now with these kind of bizarre graphics they've got going on what what are your thoughts when you see this stuff oh man um you know the one right before this that said salvation uh -huh. like it, it's so counter to the bible like salvation belongs to the to the lamb for example yeah, that's, that's a right. statement it's like mm -hmm. then it's like completely replaced with salvation belongs to the lost tribes like yep. that, like you got to pay attention. I, I would just say, I'm not, I don't speak like this very often. Um, I, I, unless I got a certain kind of confidence, I don't say something. I, I think something is like demonically influenced. Amen. And generally, if it's just like blatantly anti Christ, uh, an anti meaning against or in replacement of salvation belongs to our Lord. Salvation yep. doesn't belong to Israel. Salvation Amen. belongs to the Lord. Um, and yeah, that's. Do you see the next image? Uh, this, yeah, this is. If I'm not giant... mistaken, that's from Independence Day. It, yeah, that yeah, ship. that's, yep, oh. it is. You see the big giant swords they have? Mm hmm. Yeah, so this is part of an image because this is from a phone, uh, phone rendition. But it says chariots at the top. And if you look on the side, you can't see it. But he's uh, got like a, a white guy in a chokehold oh, over yeah. there on the side. Yeah, that's what's going on there. I see the armor there. Yeah. And then this is Jesus. This is Yahawashai. So what came out of his eyes? He had red eyes, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And, you know, he's got he – notice he's got a bloody – he's got the bloody sword. Now, look, we believe in judgment. Correct. We don't, we don't deny that. Uh, but they make it an issue of racial revenge. Yeah. Not an issue of who's in Christ. And now they would say, yeah, we do, but they would say, but only Israelites could be in Christ, you know, something like that. Yeah, I mean, again, this so, one has salvation of the Israelites at the top uh, again. Yep. yep. The rest you can kind of just go through. I just wanted to show. So, you know, this is me collecting. This is essentially iconography in a way. It is. Modern do, iconography. Do you know? Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, I've, I've talked about that. The last one is kind of interesting. The rapture is only for the Israelites. Now, they don't mean the rapture in the way we would mean it. They mean the UFOs are going to beam them up while America is getting destroyed, so they avoid the destruction. Hmm. So they'll be in the spaceships uh, on their way to Israel. But it's a little unclear, the chronology, because I'm like, well, if you're on your way to Israel in spaceships, how are you going to kill the Edomites? So I'm, not, I'm a little unclear about their timeline, hmm. but I've never had a – but basically that's, that's IUIC-generated art. The rapture is only for Israelites, and the UFO is there for a reason. So this is what they believe about the end times, the one Westers anyway. Okay. And sometimes you can see it. Look at their signage. When If you ever interact with these guys on the street, everyone, look at their signage and look for some of the UFO stuff. You may see it. Yeah, it's pretty 
<laughs> like I, I, did, I, I wasn't aware of this end times UFO kind of stuff. Yes. Now, look, practical tip. If you're talking to someone who says they're an Israelite, do not think, oh, I watched this one interview with Volcam, yeah, correct. and he told me what they believed. You have to ask these guys and gals what they believe. Now, granted, if they're in a camp, once you know what the camp believes, you know what they should believe. So sometimes some of the guys are dishonest about what they believe, and they'll hide the camp's more strident beliefs. Mm. But if they're an individualite, sometimes they call them Hebrew individualites, meaning like mm. an internet kind of – you don't know what they believe. Their beliefs could be highly idiosyncratic, and they may say, "Oh, I believe you can be saved. You're a Gentile." But yeah, I've met um, these ones. Yeah, I've had yeah, you be grafted in, and I'm not with all the radical things those guys do out on the street. I don't believe in the twelve tribe chart. I don't believe in Lashmal Kadash. Vocab's just brushing us with a broad brush. I don't believe any of that. I'm much closer to you know da 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 da. So my point is, um, I'm telling you about some. I'm not telling you about all. So you got to ask the questions. And then a lot of times with those guys, it's a lot more like dealing with a conspiracy theorist or maybe a Judaizer that would be described in the book of Galatians or Hebrew roots type people, almost always anti-Trinitarian and Jesus is not fully God without caveats, but you're dealing with someone that's not exactly the way I'm describing because I'm describing the One West style camps. Just want to put that out there. Yeah, everybody should know that. Look, it's just a general rule of thumb, I guess, when it comes to doing apologetics work and evangelism. Ask questions, folks. Uh, You want to ask questions. You want to know what it is that the person in front of you actually believes before you give an answer because you might be answering a question they don't actually have. So uh, just make sure you do that. Well, hey, Vocab, I want to thank you, man. You've spent the last two hours with us, educating us, uh, updating us. Letting us know a good amount of this stuff was new information for me. So I appreciate that. Uh, and I'm very sure that folks appreciate uh, that as well. And you you guys can go check out the work that Vocab does on his YouTube channel um, and Instagram. You're pretty active on TikTok. I'm not as active on TikTok, but you're, you, you post stuff on TikTok. Um, a little bit. So I hate the platform, but I try to put stuff on there. Correct. Um, and so just make sure uh, that you find him appreciate the man subscribe to his channel buy his books books are always better you're a reader you're an avid reader um okay uh books are always better so make sure you all check that stuff out okay there we are that's right and we'll drop the links of those in the in the description box so uh, appreciate you. you man thank you very much yes sir uh folks wrong button Thank you for hanging out with us today. Hopefully, again, this this has been really informative to you. Uh, I will be back tomorrow night when we do some reaction videos. Take care. God bless. And I will see you later.